In a world filled with information, where do you turn to get straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money? Lock it in to the longest-running financial talk show in Arkansas and let us help you build the bridge between information and application. Real financial change begins right here, and it starts with you. It's showtime! Hello again, everybody. March Madness is here, and we're not just talking about the NCAA tournament. Market Madness has been dominant in 2022. On today's show, making a plan that expects it and is prepared for it. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. And welcome into another edition of the Get Ready for the Future show. My name is Scott Inman, John Shrewsbury to my right, and Troy Johnson makes an appearance in Janet's chair, or the rotating chair, I guess we could say. Good morning to both of you guys. Morning. Good to see you. Yeah, it is March Madness, and we are going to start today. Our whole show today is about market madness. You know, we can't resist that analogy. I think every March we bring we dust it off and we bring it out, right? Sure. But this March and this year... Yeah, I think it resonates just a little differently. Yeah, and I have to say that I had the experience first time in my life. I was at a, an LPO meeting in Southwest Florida, and so uh, our flight got delayed coming back home. And so I had the opportunity to go to this little uh, bar and grill, and they had all of the uh, conference tournaments on the TVs there. And it was really interesting to be in an environment where this table over here was rooting for a completely different team that you don't know anything about. And then, of course, we're sitting here rooting for the Razorbacks, and and all of this is all going on on Saturday. Uh, So it did give me a, a kind of a different feel about how March Madness actually is this big event uh, with that everybody has their eyes on kind of like the market is right now yeah productivity shuts down i think during yes, march madness across the board well when you think of march madness you think of upsets you think of unpredictability you think of uncertainty and i think all of those uns can definitely be applied to the market here as of late so right off the top of the show we're going to bring in LPL Chief Market Strategist Ryan Dietrich, who is always good enough to join us about once a month on the Get Ready for the Future show. So if we're doing a show, Ryan, on market madness, we have to bring you in to talk about where we have been. But before we get to the markets, I know you're a big football guy. Do you do a bracket as well? You got your tournament bracket filled out? Yeah, I, guys, thanks for having me back. But I do. Uh, my boys and I, we all did our own bracket, but I did. I went to Xavier University in Cincinnati. This is the fourth year in a row we've missed a tournament. So it's kind of a sour subject. That everyone else gets to celebrate their team, but hopefully Xavier makes it uh, for to join some madness next year. Yeah, well, it's going to be a, a, a lot of fun. I guess it actually started with the play-in games last night, but the big show gets started tomorrow. So when we start our market madness discussion, I think it's interesting because there's there's a lot of variables driving the market down since January. But you your team produced some really interesting charts and and, uh, and some things to look at with regard to comparisons to midterm election yep. years. We are in one. You know, I, I don't think politics has really been talked a whole lot about with everything else going on in the world, but. Is, it is interesting when you look at the large pullback in the market this year and compare it to other midterm election years. What's the historical data say about that, Ryan? Yeah, Scott, I mean, it's a midterm year. Like you said, all the devastating things we're hearing on the news. Then we got to talk midterms in a couple <laughs> more months. We get closer. But the truth is this. Midterm years are really volatile. Right? We talked about this at LPL Research before the year started. Your average midterm year sees the S&P 500 pullback peak to trough 
17%, right? We've had like a 12% correction, give or take, on the S&P so far. So volatility makes sense. That's the largest pullback out of the four-year presidential cycle. Why in the world is it? I think year one, new president, people feeling pretty good. By the time year two comes around, maybe some of the policies, maybe hit some bumps in the road, kind of like what we're seeing now. And then you can have some, some hiccups, if you will. Now, let's look, that's glass half, um, half empty. Glass half full is this. One year off those lows, and no one knows what any lows are, let's be honest, but we think a darn near might have been, you know, this March might make some major lows here. One year later, S&P is up over 30% on average. So long-term investors need to remember, midterm years are rocky and rough and kind of scary. We've got that part checked. The other part might be in a year from now, we look, and this is opportunity for a lot of investors. Ryan, uh, Scott talked about the lack of productivity uh, about you know, around March Madness and what have you. I called back to the office when I was down in Florida with you guys, and uh, they were watching the SEC tournament in the office. And so you, know, you just have to kind of uh, you have I, to I just, say that on the radio. I, I did have to say that on okay. the radio. Okay. So, but I think one of the things that people are watching as we speak today is what's going to be going on with the Fed mm-hmm. and a raise in interest rates. Uh, mm-hmm. The Fed is meeting as we speak today, and there's two day meeting. This is the last day of it. And uh, there's been talk of obviously rate increases uh, because the economy is stronger and all of that. But I think that Ukraine has kind of maybe mitigated some of the Fed's ferocity on raising interest rates. What do you think the Fed's really going to do? Yeah, John, we're in that camp also, right? The Fed's going to hike rates in all likelihood, uh, you know, today, later this afternoon, 25 basis points. But this time a month ago, people were talking about seven, eight rate hikes. LPL research were a little skeptical. We think after this one, might have three or four more this year, right? To kind of 25 basis points every time, like you said, to kind of combat the inflation, to slow down the uh, the, the, the strong economic growth that we've seen, uh, really to combat inflation at the end of the day. Um, but again, with all the uncertainty, that we're seeing geopolitically, it makes sense they take their foot off the pedal a little bit, not be quite as hawkish. Now, the key concept for the listeners, when you look back in history, when the Fed does its first rate hike, like they're going to do here right now, the last six times, the first rate hike, a year later, you know what the S&P did, John? It was higher every single time. Hmm. Now, some of them weren't up by a lot, I'll admit. But the key thing we're trying to say is this. When the Fed starts hiking, that's usually more mid-cycle, meaning there could be a couple, several more years left of economic growth and stock market growth. And that's what we've seen in uh, history throughout uh, Fed hikes before. And I think that that is really uh, part and parcel to the idea that you guys at LPL Research are, are proffering here is that the markets generally are higher, even though we have a geopolitical event like Ukraine, uh, if the economy is strong. And while there's all this noise out there about the economy, the fundamentals of the economy are indeed fairly strong. Oh, they really are, John. I mean, corporate America, earnings have been strong. One of the amazing stats to me this year, I mean, stocks have done, not done well, bonds have not done well. But, you know, corporate America, S&P 500 earnings are up 3% this year. Now, it might not sound like a lot, but that was like 6% at the start of the year. Now, S&P 500 earnings might hit double digits. And all the scary stuff we've seen, earnings estimates have gone up. That is comforting in a sea of worry. That does comfort us. But also the consumer is still strong. I know we had a weak-ish retail sales number this week, but overall the consumer is still pretty healthy, and that should help drive this economy and avoid a recession in 2022. Hey, Ryan, um, one of the biggest concerns out there right now is that if the Fed raises or if the short-term rates go up too quickly, that that could invert the yield curve because long-term rates are still uh, not moving quite as much. So mm-hmm. um, what's the real risk out there on that? Do you guys see that as, as something that we should be very concerned about at this point? 
Yeah, Troy, we wouldn't say very concerned, but we're watching out of the corner of our eye. I mean, you know, let's keep this fairly simple. You know, short-term rates usually yield less than longer-term rates. That just makes sense. You're going to hold an asset longer, you should get rewarded. In an inverted yield curve, that flips. It matters because every recession we've had back to World War II saw an inverted yield curve sometime before that recession. The key thing to remember, though, it takes like a year and a half usually after the, the yield curve inverts before a recession even happens. And it hasn't inverted yet. Let's be very clear. You know, in the, in the mid to late 90s, guys, we saw the yield curve almost invert. And then it was just kind of flattish for years as the economy kept growing. We all remember the late mid to late 90s. Stocks did amazing. We're not predicting that again. But we are saying that with some of the things that are taking place here, we think the yield curve probably isn't going to invert anytime soon. Maybe it can stay flattish for a while. And that's just something investors need to remember that, hey, the economy can still grow. Earnings are still strong. We avoid the inverted yield curve. So we're watching it, but we're not there yet. It certainly looks like, as we continue our discussion with Ryan Dietrich, the chief market strategist for LPL, it looks like, Ryan, that almost everything is taking a beating out there. You see fixed income uh, negative to start the year. You see the <laughs> stock prices going down as measured by the S&P. Oil prices are certainly doing the opposite. Now, they did, they did pull back a little bit late last week, but they've been surging for this year, due in large part, as we know, uh, to the uncertainty in Ukraine and the sanctions against Russia. But as a sector, energy's doing quite well. It would seem to be a good place to be invested right now. That's now. What's LPL's yep. research outlook on where we go from here? Yeah, great question. So, I mean, I know I come up with you guys you know, a couple months ago saying LPL research liked cyclical value. Financials, industrials, materials, energy, right? Those materials and energy names have all gotten a bid, meaning more buyers, over the last month or so with, with clearly what we've what's happened in Ukraine. Our take right here, right now, if, you've, if you're waiting to buy some energy stocks, maybe let them come back. They've had just a historic run. But the truth is this. We think some of these commodity trends that are in play as the economy continues to kind of improve are in play. And we think you know, energy is a group that I think it only makes up like 3% of the S&P 500. Materials isn't all that much more either. So those are two areas we think make a lot of sense for investors. Maybe on a, wait wait for your pitch, right? Let, let them come back to you a little bit because they're so overbought. But they make sense, you know, going out a couple years that that can be a diversifier. This year, if you look at it, if you had financials and energy, you're sitting pretty this year. If you're in all the large cap tech, you're feeling, you know, you're not feeling so great. That's why you have a diversified portfolio. But we think having some of that energy materials group makes a lot of sense for investors going out a couple years here. So, Ryan, I want to go back to this thesis of a strong economy and, and that driving the market up, even in the face of, of what's going on in Ukraine. One of the things that is a weight on that, obviously, is inflation. We're seeing that some of the highest inflation rates in over 40 years. Gas prices have added to that in the past month. Obviously, I think California is above $5 a, a gallon on, on gas. Uh, what do you feel like that that impact could be? in the scenario that you guys have laid out of a strong economy basically driving the market higher in the future. Yeah, John, I mean, the truth is the economy is not quite going to be as strong as we thought. When we came out with our outlook a couple months ago, we said GDP would be between 4 to 4.5%. 
just this past week, we did downgrade our GDP forecast to 3.7%. Will we downgrade it again? We'll see on that front. But let's just remember, last year was 6% GDP. We weren't going to see that again. We're still seeing an economy that's growing. But what are we seeing with the data that's happening? The truth, again, consumer confidence numbers are low. That's what people say. But what are they doing? They're still out there spending. They're still growing. I mean, the airlines, the airline companies had really positive things to say. People are getting back out there. The negative from energy and the higher commodity prices prices and crude is one thing, but the reopening, right, getting past the uh, the pandemic, what the airlines just had to say is really positive. So these two things are kind of smashing into each other, kind of fighting. But again, the reopening is still something we wouldn't ignore. And, and people want to get out and spend. And, and, and there's still some reasons to think that that is going to happen in the second half of this year. Might have to pay a little bit more, you know, to load the car and take the kids somewhere or take that airplane um, a trip. But three trillion dollars mm-hmm. in excess savings currently um, mm-hmm. for, for U.S. consumers. There, there is a cushion to, to be able to afford, if you will, some of these higher prices. We don't want these higher prices to last much longer than, let's say, you know, three, four months. We think inflation is going to come back down. But again, that's the that's the ultimate wild card, isn't it? Absolutely. Brian, obviously, there's some headwinds out there as far as the economy is concerned at this point. You guys have said that you still expect, you know, decent mm-hmm. GDP growth this year. So give us a few reasons of why you think the economy is still in, in a decent place at this point. Yeah, I mean, I kind of talked about some of them. I mean, I kind of, I guess, already did the GDP where we see 3.7%. But again, I mean, look at what corporate America is saying, right? What, 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 what's the ground level saying? They're they're optimistic. They're increasing their guidance. I mean, small businesses are one of the, there's an old joke, guys. You've probably said it on this before. Why did God create weathermen? To make economists look good, right? <laughs> economists always have the best calls and things. You guys know who does? Small businesses. Small yeah. businesses right now are concerned about higher prices and the employment picture, yes, But there are surveys that say small businesses are quite optimistic about the economy 12 months from now. I'd rather follow what small businesses are saying because they're on the ground level talking to corporate, talking to the Americans out there, and they're pretty optimistic. So that makes us um, feel pretty positive about things, but also just the continued um, reopening play and the continued just animal spirits of wanting to get out there and, and help grow this economy. Things we, we're not willing to bet against yet. And the consumer makes up 70% of GDP. And uh, all in all, the consumer is still in a pretty good place here. That's a great saying. I love that. I, you know, I used to be in, in television news, so I worked with weathermen. And, and I do <laughs> actually go. say in a client meeting room from time to time that, you know, the weathermen are pretty good about tomorrow's forecast. They're not good about the seven-day forecast. So you don't want to get too far in advance with yep. any kind of predicting when it comes to the economy mm-hmm. and the markets. So we haven't talked about fixed income yet. Probably because mm-hmm. nobody really wants to, right? I mean, it's right. been it's been beaten up too. We re- I read earlier this week the classic sixty forty portfolio is down more than ten percent uh, to open the year. So, with that being the part of a diversifier to kind of dampen the volatility in most investors' portfolios, what's your take on fixed income? What it's done so far this year, and and where it will go for the rest of the year. Yeah, Scott, I mean, clearly it's disappointing, right? I mean, bonds were actually down a tad last year. In the history of the Barclays Ag, your average bond fund since 1976, bonds have never been down two years in a row. I mean, you know, it's the old Jim Carrey quote, right? You're saying there's a chance from Dumb and Dumber. There's a chance bonds could be lower, but we're pretty optimistic with this surge higher we've seen in yields to start this year. Uh, there could be some opportunity for people who maybe haven't been in bonds um, to, to maybe add some, or if you're already in them, they still are the great diversifier. Yes, they haven't helped so much this year yet, but just remember this. We look back only 15% of the time uh, during all months 
Well, stocks and bonds both go down. Usually when stocks are down, bonds hang in there either flat or higher. These first two months have been really rough so far, really. I guess you say first three months, really, of this year so far. But we would think still by the second half of this year, bonds will go back to being that diversifier. And if yields can kind of just, you know, kind of take a break, like we think they very well could. Because let's be honest, two-year yield in the U.S., let's call it 220 right now. Germany's barely positive. Uh, uh, Japan's barely positive. There's a lot of places around the world that see our tasty 2% yield, and they want that. So that's a lot of people that can buy it to kind of put a cap on yields, and we see uh, that playing out. But stick with the diversified portfolio. It's been rough, but over time, it will uh, help investors. Ryan, that was some good information. And I just want to say we're going to mark the tape today because I think that was the first dumb and dumber quote that's ever been on the Get Ready for the Future show. So you never we, know we appreciate what I'm going to say. I don't either. I just make it up. Yeah. Well, I, I, I can attest to that because I spent some time with Ryan uh, in Southwest Florida when we were there uh, for an LPL conference. And uh, it was a great opportunity to hear lots of good things from uh, the chief market strategist. Before we let you go, Ryan, uh, always like to let you kind of plug your uh, social media pages, LPL's media pages. Where can people go to get some great content like we've uh, heard from you today? I yeah, appreciate that. So our website is lplresearch.com. I do have a podcast called LPL Market Signals. Get it wherever you find your favorite podcast. Then our YouTube channel, LPL Research has a YouTube channel. One quick Google search and you'll find all those. So lots of different collateral out there that you can uh, see what LPL is up to. And there's a lot we're discussing. So thanks for letting me promote that. All right, Ryan, you bet. And we thank you for being with us. I know you're a busy guy. So we always are grateful for the uh, time you spend with us here on the Get Ready for the Future show. Guys, I'm on CMC at 5 in the morning tomorrow on St. Patrick's Day. I'm just a fool to have even accepted that. So I, I don't know. I'm dreading this one already. And that's 4 <laughs> in the morning in Arkansas time. So, uh, Good point. Yeah. yeah. I'll, Sleep I'll, through I'll, that one, John. Do I'll not catch you on the DVR. How right. about that? that? That's why he's on our show, because we're at noon. We're at lunchtime. That's, that's right. It's, it's, it's a sleep in. A little easier. Right? Yeah. All right, Ryan. Thanks very much. We'll see you next time. See you guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Great stuff there from LPL Chief Market Strategist Ryan Dietrich talking market madness today on the Get Ready for the Future show. And there's certainly a lot of it out there. And the truth is, you know, we, we talked about how it resonates more in this environment in 2022, guys, but it's always present. Yeah. It, it's always going to be there. And so we're going to talk a little bit about making a plan to expect it. And, and I think it starts with you should have a plan that expect it, expects it because it's going to happen. And if you don't have a plan to rely on, the plan is the objective viewer in the back of the room of everything that's happening. And if you don't have the plan to go go to, to for reference in times like these, your emotions can get the best of you. Yeah, the plan uh, sets your perspective. And one of the things that I think is really important, Troy, I was having this conversation the other day with a client. He was talking about how far down his portfolio was as a result of all these market forces and everything. And I had the luxury of being able to look at his portfolio on our computer system and actually see that his portfolio was about where it was this time last year. So we really, we had a big run up in yep. 2021 and we have so far in 22, we're down. But if you look at that kind of point to point thing, uh, it really does, you know, tell a little bit of a different story that we're not really any further behind than we were in April of 21. Now I call that looking through the knot hole and seeing what's happened in the last few minutes or the few weeks or whatever the case may be, as opposed to actually getting a step stool and getting above the fence and being able to see the whole yard of your neighbor instead of through that little knot hole. And, and perspective is everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, 
I think we kind of got used to 2021, where there really wasn't a whole lot of market volatility. Right. And, and it also, it also, you know, depends on where you're at as far as age and proximity to retirement. Because while someone in retirement looks at this and says, you know, that's way too much volatility for me at this point, I've been I've been shocked at how many people, uh, my friends on social media that are my age, and I'm a little bit younger than you guys. I've been surprised with how many people I've seen that are voicing their concerns about the market. Mm. And and really, for everyone that's closer to my age than than maybe John's age, you know, this is really a good thing for you. Like if you're putting money into your retirement plan at work or you're maxing out your Roth IRA, you know, you're really buying those shares each month at a lower price. So and there's things you can do in retirement to help mitigate some of that risk too. But I, I really want to just put that out there for everyone that's younger at this point. If you're seeing things on social media or you're hearing things on the news, it's not doom and gloom for you. You can actually take advantage of this dip in the market that we're seeing right now. It's almost the opposite effect of inflation. You know, inflation drives up prices of consumer goods that you're buying, but a market pullback actually allows you to buy things in the market at a cheaper price. And so it's the whole idea of what is called dollar cost averaging. Uh, We we call it the cow story around here because we use an analogy of buying cows. And and if you can buy cows at a cheaper price, you can buy more cows to put out in your field. And that's kind of the same thing that you're doing, especially in retirement planning. Look, you will never remember what the price of your retirement account was in 2022 10 years from now, 15 years, uh, you're just not going to remember it. But you will see the effect of buying those shares at a cheaper price because as the markets climb back, as they have historically always done, and obviously past history is not a guarantee of future results, but it is something that we do take a look at. And obviously that is going to benefit you long-term, Scott, if you are looking to accumulate shares in your portfolio. Yeah, and I think for younger people who don't, it's harder for them to have the longer-term perspective because they haven't been doing it as long, right? right? So it is a little frightening, I think, for Troy's friends who are, I guess, 22 years old, he says. So uh, you know they're very young because he's telling us how young he is. They might there. be a little younger. Okay, than okay. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. So they, you know, they've been putting money in, and the balance has has been going down, right? If if it just started recently, so it's hard to have that pullback perspective. But I think what you hit on for longer term investors and our clients. I mean, I've even pulled a, a few cumulative reports lately. You know, here's what we did. Uh, point to point from last March to this March. But if you pull back that and see three or four years even, right, that they've been with us as a client, the story looks a little bit different. And I think what you're talking about, the the knot hole in the tree, for me, I mean, the term is recency bias, right? It's yes. real easy to take a look at things going up and up and up in 2021 and never going back down and think now you're losing money. Well, your account value, your statement, your number on your statement is going down. But I think it's always important to remember that you're you're not losing anything unless you sell it, because that is what's called an unrealized gain or loss, right? You haven't realized it unless you pull the trigger and make a trade and sell it. And I think the lack of, of 
proper education about the market really does play into this. I was taught about long-term view and long-term investing way back in in the 80s when I first got into uh, the financial services business. I was always drilled into my head, long-term, long-term, long-term. But if you think about what most people's education is on the market today, it's on Twitter, it's on Facebook, mm. it's on uh, YouTube, TikTok. it's TikTok, it's, it's uh, on CNBC, it's all of this immediacy. And I, I continue to say, Troy, the worst thing that has ever happened to the market is they put stock prices on your phone. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you're right. We think about the market as long term, but for a client that is in retirement, yep. they do have market assets that are long term, but they also have some shorter term assets that, that they're probably a little concerned about at this point. So maybe let's talk about what we do with those. Yeah. So near term or in retirement, uh, if you're an investor and you're trying to make your money last, that dollar cost averaging concept of putting money in and buying when the market's down is reversed, right? You're trying to sell to create retirement income for yourself and maybe your spouse while the market's going down. So how do you deal with that market volatility? We mentioned with Ryan that the 60-40 portfolio uh, is down, measured by the S&P 500 index and the uh, uh, the bond index, it's down more than 10% this year, leaving it on pace for the worst performance since the financial crisis of 2008. Now, that's on pace. Who knows what it's going to do for the next uh, nine months. But I think the point here is, is so many advisors, so many quote-unquote plans are built simply in an allocation strategy of that 60-40 portfolio, and we're just going to withdraw a random amount out of that, not even really designating what we're going to sell to generate that, well, what do you do when everything is going down like it is now, Troy? Scott, can I, you know, for people out there, we've all heard that 60-40 split, but some people probably wonder what that actually is. Yeah. So what that is, is of all your retirement money or all the money in your plan to produce you income, that is 60% of that going towards equities or stocks and 40% of that going towards bonds. But that's not the only thing that's out there. There's right. not just two asset classes, stocks and bonds. So, you know, maybe let's touch on what else is there that people could invest in to produce some income? Well, clearly, one of the things that is a star of a portfolio these days is real estate. Real estate has done great, and real estate is actually uh, buoyed by inflation. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of real estate portfolios uh, have done really well. And when you look at the bucketing strategy that we use here at GenWealth, we're going to have fixed income, we're going to have real estate, we're going to have equities, because those things tend to, to counterbalance each other. And, and in reality, when you think about what you're doing here is one thing that hasn't been talked about is there's always a sleeve of cash. Yeah. There's always yeah. a sleeve of, of pure cash money that you don't have to liquidate anything. Dry powder. And, and, and I can tell you that since the first of the year, we haven't been liquidating equities in, in a classic retirement portfolio here at GenWealth. Now, we did liquidate some equities when they were up mm -hmm. back in 2021, but that's what created that cash. And so it's opportunistic that we were able to harvest some of those gains, turn them to cash, and now we have that cash as a time buffer so we don't have to liquidate equities when they're down. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I just had a review uh, last week, in fact, with a pretty new client couple. He walked into retirement just as they became our clients last summer. Mm -hmm. Okay, so obviously we're, we're already having a review with him, and we haven't even really had 
all of his accounts in play for a year. So that review has some negative numbers in front of sure. it right, from what's happened in the first three months of this year. But we had 12 months of cash to begin those distributions. So that was the point that I made to him is we've got time for all this to recover because we haven't sold it. You have you have 12 months of monthly income in play that is not going to be fluctuating by the market. And that is how you deal with market volatility when you're in retirement. You have to have some safe or conservative investments. Maybe it is even cash for that short term. And then you have uh, more moderately invested uh, parts of your investment strategy in buckets in the middle years and then more aggressive investment strategy on the back end. Because I think it's real easy. We talk about it on this show a lot, guys. It can be real easy for the retiree to go the opposite, not have it in a 60-40 portfolio, but just have it all powder dry because you're frightened. But then you're taking on the risk of inflation. And I think people are more aware of that today than they have been. Yeah, and I'll say this about market volatility and that type of thing. And and this is something that I have thought and said my entire career in the financial services industry. And that is time historically has given you the all you need to weather the storm of a market downturn, a bond market upheaval, whatever the case may be, if you've got enough time to leave it alone and let it gain, then you're probably going to be just fine. And you create that time by creating a bucket of cash and then actually filling that bucket of cash when you have opportunity like we had in 2021, where you liquidate gains, drop them over and fatten that bucket of cash. So now you've got even more time to weather whatever storm that might be going on. And Troy, I know people that understand that, people that get it, get a lot of of satisfaction in knowing that there is a strategy behind what they're doing rather than just some rote 60-40 portfolio and we'll liquidate stuff out and hope it works out. Yeah, you know, the the 60-40 portfolio is just that. It's a portfolio. It's not a plan. Right. That what we do at GenWealth is put together an actual plan that lays out for you here's how much income you're going to have, you know, each month throughout your retirement. And we do that through our bucketing strategy, which we've kind of touched on here today. Scott, I think that, that you know, we talk about plans all the time, but, but, and it sounds like it's one plan. But as, as very stable and as very certain as our bucketing strategy is, when we actually sit down with a client, we can design that and fine-tune that plan to fit their particular situation. Because there's a lot that goes into this rather than just thinking about market volatility. There is things like, okay, when are you going to retire? When is your spouse going to retire? When is the optimum time for you both to take Social Security? Yeah. All of those things play into the equation. And there is a lot that that goes into that plan. I would really very much hate the idea of retiring into a questionable market Mm -hmm. without some sort of written strategy that takes into account, okay, we are going to have some volatility. We are going to have some good times. How do we deal with this in the most optimum way possible? And there is a lot of um, what I will call... uh, finesse in that in in terms of a client's particular issue 
that you've got to build into that plan. And that's why we ask people to come in and sit down and talk about this and don't just go, oh, we'll put it in this and everything will be fine. Yeah. And I think that's another way to combat market volatility. When you talk about the Social Security income, we haven't really talked about building that floor, right? Because the bucketing strategy is for the discretionary income. So one way to battle market volatility in times like these, if you're walking into retirement or you're entering retirement in the next five years, let's say, is to build in a guaranteed income stream with some of your assets and you have to determine how much if it's needed at all and then how much and that is determined in our process the ready to retire process through the gap analysis determining if your required income needs will be met by your available guaranteed income sources yeah and that that guaranteed income that you've got really does uh, hold fast with the monthly expenses that you have if you just think about your average monthly expenses what does it cost to run your household you're going to have those expenses crop up every month. They're going to be very consistent. And what you want is very consistent income to meet those expenses. It's basically like a balance sheet. You've got assets and you've got liabilities. Those liabilities come up every month. You need to have assets every month that actually do fund those liabilities. And once you've got that taken care of, then you're in this this discretionary area and you've got a lot more leeway to deal with that, Troy, as, uh, as you think about your overall budget, because you're not having to worry about paying the electric bill. Yeah, as long as we've got that, what we call the income floor taken care of, and like you said, that's just how much do I have to have every single month? We want all that to come to you on a guaranteed basis, one way or another. And then above that, you know, the things like vacation, travel, you know, all that good stuff that you want to do, that's where we look at the bucketing strategy to see how much more income could we produce for you or could your assets produce for you uh, to give you the the level of enjoyment in your retirement that you want to have. Scott, I'll make one other uh, comment here. Obviously, there is a component of Social Security. Obviously, there's a component of a pension. Uh, we look to fill that the rest of that with some sort of guaranteed income instrument from some type of guaranteed income strategy that an insurance company might be able to put together. But then we began to look at how we can also increase your income over time yeah to offset the inflation that we've got going on right now, because inflation is always there. It's just not at seven or 8%. It's sometimes at two or three, but it always erodes your purchasing power. And you've got to have a strategy to be able to overcome inflation. If your uh, overall retirement plan is going to work for you, because you've got to think about it. You wouldn't work for 30 years, not get a raise. Right. And your retirement might last for 30 years. You've got to have some way of building raises into that portfolio. And that's through staying invested in equities even into retirement having a bucket that is out there that's not meant to be touched for 15 to 20 years but that can grow at a rate faster than inflation you heard the bell in the background that means it's uh, time to wrap this thing up and our final thoughts will start with troy yeah so you know we've talked about market volatility that's the main thing we've touched on today and and market volatility is really a given it's gonna happen and it can be really scary whether you're you know, early on in your retirement savings or you're actually in retirement now. And really, wherever you're at on that scale, um, the thing that we feel like can help you the most is just having a plan on that already factors in that there is going to be market volatility. So if you're saving for retirement, how do we take advantage of that? If you are in retirement, how do we put to, uh, put a plan together that, that reduces the impact of that volatility? As we 
said on the show today, education is the key to understanding all of this. It is the antidote to fear. And so you can be fearful. You can continue to be fearful as the headlines are driving, uh, you know, the, the fear that we have about Ukraine, the fear that we have about inflation, the fear that we have about the markets and things of that nature. You can be fearful or you can be educated. The more you understand your financial plan and how it is helping you work toward your goals, the more secure you're likely to feel about the future. And education, again, is the antidote to fear Get some education, and you'll relieve some of the fear that you're feeling. We talked about March Madness being full of upsets, unpredictability, and uncertainty. It's also emotionally charged. You don't want that in times of market madness. And without a plan, the future just happens to you. We've got 10 ways to shift your perspective of financial planning. My final thought is get that for free. All you have to do is text the word PLAN to the number 501 and I'm losing it on the screen. There we are. 381-5228 or visit GetReadyForTheFuture.com forward slash plan. And that is all the time we have for this week's Get Ready for the Future show. We thank you for being with us. We hope you'll join us again next time. Enjoy the NCAA tournament and get a plan to prepare for market madness. Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to help us get the word out on building toward financial independence, leave us a rating and review. The Gen Wealth financial team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment, and no strategy can assure success. Gen Wealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas-registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC.